everyone, welcome to the Inspired Fire podcast. My name is Chris and I'm your host. And today we have Justin and Haley from The Price of Avocado Toast joining us. They're going to be sharing their financial independence journey as well as their inheritance that they had. They inherited about $600,000. They're going to share that story with us as well as a little bit about how they are different from Dave Ramsey and a little bit about what Dave Ramsey can teach us, but also how they do things a little bit different. So what I love about what they're doing is they're normalizing the conversation with money through their podcast and through their coaching business. Haley has a coaching business. And I do want to mention that if you stick around to the end, you'll find out the details on how to get a free month of coaching with Haley. So you're going to want to stick around to the end because again, one person will be able to get one free coaching session with Haley or one month actually of coaching with Haley and that uh, pretty huge. She helps people get out of debt and also get on the right track financially. So that is huge. She usually does coaching sessions in a limited offering. And again, someone will be able to get one free month as a coaching session and then continue on after that. So stick around to the end for the details. Talking about tracking your net worth and budgeting, that's something that comes up in the episode. I also do want to mention personal capital as one of the best ways to track your net worth and your budget as well. It's completely free and the link is in the description below. It is an affiliate link and you do get $20 as an Amazon gift card when you link $1,000 or an investment account containing $1,000 within the first 30 days. So again, it's completely free and it's a way for you to track your net worth, which I couldn't recommend any higher. It's amazing. I use it and I know a ton of people use it as well. Again, it's an affiliate link, so I do appreciate it. You would be supporting the show, but you would be getting a $20 Amazon gift card, which is pretty awesome. And you can go ahead and track your net worth and your budget and your cash flow, find investment fees that are hidden. So it'll save you a ton in the long run. So check that out. It's in the description below. All right. So now with that said, I do want to jump into the episode and welcome Justin and Haley to the podcast. Hey, Justin. Hey, Haley. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for uh, rescheduling around our craziness and and fitting us (laughs) in. We're glad to be here. Yeah, no, I'm happy to have you on the show. It's long overdue. Uh, You guys have your own podcast that I was an an interviewee on as well. So um, I'm just returning the favor. Yeah, you're like one of our OGs too. Like you're one of our like original interviews back (laughs) in season one. It's uh, full circle. <laughs> For sure. Yes, I-, I love it. And, you know, anybody who has listened to this podcast and maybe wants to know a little bit about me can check out that episode. I highly encourage it. I'm going to link it in the bio and, um, you know, you guys can check that out. So, yeah, um, if you hear anything in the background, that's my child um, just having the time <laughs> of his life. So, fair. So, yeah, um, again, thank you guys for coming on. And I'm so excited to talk money with you guys this is what you guys do is normalize conversations about money on your podcast and others. So talk to us a little bit about your story and, you know, how you guys got into the money, you know, field and, and wanting to share it. Go ahead. You've practiced this so much with your clients. So. I know. I, I've told this story so many times that I think I've almost gotten it down. Although Justin is like the top notch storyteller, I think I can I, I don't know. I, I would still say you win the gold. Hey, thanks, honey. I'd be like, hello, bronze. <laughs> Thank you. So our story really begins back in 2016 when Justin received a massive amount of money. And before all of that, we we both grew up from single mom households with not a lot to go around. So there was zero financial literacy that went around between both of us. So essentially, we won the lottery. Justin 
received $600,000. And why don't you actually go into detail about like what that was? Because I think you are better at explaining what that was from. Yeah, for sure. So my uh, paternal grandmother passed away from mesothelioma, which is asbestos-caused lung cancer. And that was in uh, mid-2015. And my grandfather filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the company that was essentially negligent on my grandmother's behalf. And so she, or I guess my, my grandfather did win that case. And my father is passed away. So his earnings from my grandmother's um, lawsuit then went to his heirs. So me and my siblings each got about $600,000. I mean, and, and it was very fast. It was one check was in like January. The next check was in like mid-February. And it came pretty quick as a 20, when I was 25 at the time, no, 24, 24, 24 year old who just received $600,000. And yeah, like Haley said, you know, we both came from lower income, single family or single parent households. And so financial literacy, unfortunately, wasn't something that we were taught. Haley and I mentioned that, you know, the financial literacy that we had was if you have money, it's going to be spent because you don't know when you're going to have that money again the next time. Mm -hmm. So you might as well spend it and enjoy it now. Which is unfortunate that that was, you know, the the way that we were kind of, I don't want to say taught, but you know, we, we saw it. That's what that was we saw, you know. And they say kids, kids, you know, catch more than you try and tell them. So that's kind of what spurred our large push into the money world. And basically, yeah, we received six hundred thousand dollars in January of twenty sixteen, and you could say we essentially won the lottery. Just like 70% of lottery winners who go bankrupt in seven years, we were fast-tracked on that path as well. And the quick version of our story is from January of 2016, we had $600,000. And then the end of September 2019, we were broke. We had no money. We spent all of that. And we were in over $220,000 worth of debt in a little over three and a half years. So that's an $820,000 swing, which sounds absolutely crazy looking back, but we actually had no idea we were even spending at that level because it just kind of happened. It slipped through our fingers and we just had a couple moments, eye-opening moments where we were like, okay, this isn't working. Um, We've got to make some changes. And for me, my moment was when I finished grad school and was a teacher and then Justin was a year behind me. So Finally, when he graduated and we both were teachers and we're making salaried income, uh, you know, that should be good. We've made it to adulthood. Hashtag adulting. (laughs) Teachers get paid in the beginning of the month, or I should technically say like the last day of the previous month, you get your full salary just one time. And by the eighth of the month, we went on an anniversary trip. And I know that off the top of my head, just because that was our anniversary. So by the eighth of the month, we had no money. And We'd spent everything in eight days of our whole entire probably combination of like $5,000 worth of salary just disappeared. And that's when I was like, mm, this isn't quite working for me. What was your moment where you were like, we got to yeah, fix this? Um, that's in September. And then in about November, I was driving to work one morning and just feeling particularly stuck. We had a daughter who was going to be coming in December and I felt like we were not on the right track. And I remember like breaking down in the car and crying pretty hard, feeling like I was failing my wife and my future family. And we got home that night and essentially started a budget and started to get into financial literacy. And that led us to about halfway through 2020 during the pandemic, sitting together and thinking, hey, maybe we should start a podcast. 
so that our friends and stuff can listen to us kind of sort out this money stuff and figure out how to do things better. And so that's what happened. We started Price of Avocado Toast, our podcast, and it's grown to be a two-year project that's led us to meet some really cool people, much like yourself. And um, for us to learn a lot about financial literacy you know, daily and weekly from people that have been doing it a little bit longer, and we get to let others come in on our journey as well and follow along with us. So it's been really special turning, turning things around. We're since... Since that time, out of debt to a particular point, but I know Haley probably has all the numbers exactly of where we're at. Yeah, we we paid off $132,000 in a year and a half when we were just like head down deep into our debt-free journey. And it was really hard. But that's what led us to the podcast and starting this whole entire brand was we were so into it, like knee deep and all we could do was talk about it and no one really cared. And so we wanted an out <laughs> an outlet to just talk about our journey. And through that we've met so many cool people. So that's kind of how we got started. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, thank you so much for sharing that story. And I share like a similar sentiment, you know, is why I started the podcast as well. It's just to kind of, you know, have this conversation with people, hopefully make a difference in someone's life and you know, get this more normalized, like what you guys are preaching over there. So um, I appreciate you sharing that inheritance story. And, you know, I do want to back up a little bit. And just first off, I do want to jump into like the lessons that you learned from that inheritance. And it seems like you def- definitely learned a lot. But um, I can't help but to ask, what did you guys spend some of that <laughs> money on? Like, it seems like you guys were living like the fast life, like, like yeah. things, you know, so it was it like that or was it kind of different, I guess? Well, the biggest thing we spent money on was we did end up buying a house during that time with that money. And the house at the time cost $530,000, which we could have just paid outright for. But we ended up putting, was it like 270000 We put 270 down and so, finance 260 yeah. Yeah. So we put a massive down payment on the house, but we still carried a mortgage on the house. And... As far as the rest of the hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, it just went to things. There, I mean, were, there, there were some experiences. We went on trips yeah. and stuff, but but it just kind of spiraled very quickly. I also did buy a brand new car. I bought a 2016 RAV4. So that was, you know, $35,000 or something like after, you know, the dealer marked me up with everything that I thought I needed. But yeah, for the most part, it was, you know, it was just random things and also kind of subsidizing our lifestyle. So when we both got into our master's program for teaching, we kind of made the excuse that that was really, really important. And focusing on that and education was really important. And we have all this other money. So we might as well just kind of use this to live and not work as hard as we could. We certainly did still work. Haley was subbing at a Catholic school in the area and I was waiting tables a couple nights a week. But we could have busted our tails a lot more and been more mindful about our budget and whatnot. But we weren't. And it it goes very, very fast. We are a huge testament to that. We also did spend about $30,000 on our wedding, which was the best purchase. Um, And we would go back and do that again in a heartbeat. It was a lot of fun. And and that was something that we definitely valued a lot. But for the most part, it really was a lot of, you know, just kind of underlying expenses that we weren't being mindful of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I I asked the question, you know, I, I guess... It can be a bit difficult maybe, but, you know, I think it's good to know like exactly what happened. And, you know, a lot of it did go to your primary residence at the time. So it is salvageable. And uh, again, you spent the 30000 on your wedding, which is 
the best decision you feel in your in your mind. And I agree. I understand that. So I did want to just hear that side and then kind of go into like, but what lessons did you learn from that? You know, yeah. if, uh, well, I'm sure you came out with a lot of them. Yeah. What do you think? What are some lessons that you've got from it all? <laughs> um, if you don't track your spending, you will have no idea what you're spending. And that sounds so basic, but, but I can't even tell you what we spent our money on because I don't even know. <laughs> When we first started our journey, we went through and like calculated how much we'd been spending dining out. And it was about $700 a month. And I think in the, at the peak when we were spending the most, it was probably more than that. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was an, it wasn't like an occasional night out. It was like, oh, it's Wednesday. Let's go wine tasting and drop $300 and buy some wine while we're there. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing to do that periodically. But it was on another level because we had the money to spend in our eyes. So my biggest takeaway was tracking. And I I wouldn't even say that like I regret all the things we spent money on. We had a great time. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um <laughs> but I think we could have had fun responsibly if we were tracking it. I think we would have made better decisions because we would have known to the actual extent of what things were happening. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think tracking your expenses is probably one of the best lessons we learned. I think the other important lesson that I've kind of realized as the person who was the, you know, the trustee, so to speak, my grandparents and and particularly my grandmother, you know, she passed away in a not great way and her health was in decline until she passed away. And the best thing that I could do is learn and do better once I know better. I know that like the the legacy of it all, so to speak, is what we do moving forward each day. We can sit there and look back and be like, golly, how stupid of us. You know, we've met so many other people who if we just met them like a week before that, they would have had us like, you know, fat fire. <laughs> like we would have been cruising. <laughs> but what's the the lesson that I get from it is like that now that we know better, it's important that we do better. And I wouldn't trade that experience as wild as that sounds um, because it's kind of led us to where we are today and we're in a much better position holistically, not even just financially, but just as a couple, um, as parents, as a brother and as a sister and as children, like we're, we're so much better on the other side of it all. And that's what I think the legacy is kind of moving forward. And again, I really appreciate you guys being so transparent about that story because Again, I, I don't want the focus to be like, you know, what you said, like, oh man, like, I can't believe we blew that money. I want the focus to be like anybody, you know, like you you talked about your background. Like if I was in your shoes, if anybody was in your shoes, you know, we might, we probably would have done the same thing. So I think it's normalizing it and saying, hey, there's no shame in this, but we can learn and we can maybe do some things differently and, um, <laughs> you know, get to a stronger financial position. And uh, you guys spoke about Fat Fire. I think I mentioned Fat Fire on your you podcast. Did. Yeah, you and, did. Yeah. Um, it caught like like wildfire for real. Yeah, um, it did. So I want to ask you guys who was more on board with financial independence, or you know, if or did you guys just you know get to that position at the same time? And like, how did you guys get on the same page once that happened? I'm going to take the reins here because I want to jump in before Haley does. Haley (laughs) is absolutely, I would say, pushing more towards that. And this is kind of interesting. There's a misconception that 
like fire means that somebody just sits around all day and golfs and drinks and doesn't do anything. When realistically what it is, is somebody gets to pick and choose where they invest their time. Because time is the only thing essentially that is like finite on this earth. And Haley has poured so much of herself into her business that it is quite clear to me that it has been churning in Haley's mind for the last couple of years that there is a better way or there is another way to do things. We are both teachers by trade and teachers are, you know, criminally underpaid, I will say, <laughs> and uh, criminally overworked. And seeing Haley transition out of the classroom into essentially being an adult teacher who teaches people finance as a financial coach, I see that like she is she is willing to pour herself and invest herself into the things that bring her happiness and joy. And it just so happens that what she does has been able to, you know, kind of become a business. So I would say she's definitely the one that would be more towards that. She's constantly saying like, when can I retire you out of teaching? What's it going to take to get you out of the classroom? <laughs> so I'm going to steal that <laughs> before you get to answer and say it's absolutely Haley. Oh, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. That's got to feel that's got to feel good, Justin, to have her, you know, thinking about your situation, trying to get you, you know, in a better spot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's hard. It's hard at times. I'm like, dang, my wife's crushing it. And I'm like, all right, gearing back up for the end of summer and getting back in the classroom. <laughs> but it's cool because it, it, for me, has been a actually probably a more slow transition of being like, hey, actually, that is that is pretty cool what you're doing. And I can see where maybe that's headed in the future. And I'd love to be a part of something like that. Um, whereas like Haley just kind of like jumped off the cliff and was like, I'm going to make this happen. And she is. But um, I'm a little bit more so like, I would like the boat to be like right next to the dock. And I want like seven anchors. And I want like, <laughs> you know, a couple security guards to like carry me onto the boat. And like, I want the captain to show me how the boat works. And yeah. So I would say it's definitely <laughs> Haley was more on board before me. Cool, cool. Well, yeah, thank you guys for for sharing that. And um. So you guys have shared so many stories on your podcast. So I want to encourage the audience, like check out your podcast for like the full inheritance breakdown. And you guys have a lot about your background, like in the first season of your show. Um, I think you guys shared an epi- uh, a moment or a story about a muffin. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. there, was a, oh, yeah. there was a muffin incident. <laughs> yes. Can you, do you mind sharing that with our, with my audience? Yeah. yeah. Of course. Do you want to share the muffin? No, I I'd 1000% want you to share the pumpkin. Okay. <laughs> and then tell me where I've skewed this story over time. No, I think you, I, whenever I hear you retell it, I'm like, that feels, I can picture the exact like room and space. I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So taking you back in time, remember how I said like by September 8th of 2019, we had no money. And I was like, well, why are we putting all of our bills on credit cards? That was in early September. Come like the end of September slash early October was when the pumpkin muffin situation happened. So I was about seven months pregnant with our first daughter. It's our first baby. You know, we're a year into being married and broke, which I think so many people people relate to that. Um, starting off marriage in so much debt, but we got in a really big fight when I came home from I don't even know if it was really even that big of a fight, but in my head, I have this whole story now (laughs) because it's been a few years, but I came home from Costco with the two packs of muffins, which back in the day, back in the day before inflation was 9%, (laughs) they were $7 and now they're $9. So that's a whole nother side conversation. But the muffins, I came home with them and all my groceries and, and we get in a little tiffy about the muffins. He's kind of mad. And I'm like, what the, 
why why are you are you telling me like I can't get muffins because I got them because they weren't on the list because I'm pregnant and you're telling me not to eat muffins? I mean, we were trying to figure out what the issue was and and finally he was like it's not even the muffins. He wasn't mad at the muffins. He wasn't mad at me. He was like at his bottom. Like we don't even have $7 to be impulse purchasing some muffins at Costco. Like that was the low low where we were like, okay, if we're stressed at this level over $7, something has most definitely got to change. Yeah. The pumpkin muffins in October. That was the moment. Yeah. (laughs) And I think like everybody has a a moment of realization and that's, uh, you know, that was yours. And and mine was, uh, I was really getting on my wife about the temperature in the house because I was super (laughs) like trying to bring the the electric bill down and I'm like no we can handle 78 degrees it's fine and she's like I need 76 you know so we were literally <laughs> arguing over like a degree or two and I'm like what am I doing <laughs> what am I? it's not worth it you know and then I was I realized it I did some reflection I said okay there's a line you know we need to be comfortable and uh it's not all about the uh electric bill so yeah you know I think that that's what I love about you guys is that you find that balance for your audience, for your clients, Haley. And um, that's a balance that uh, I hesitate to say his name because I know it's going to be triggering, but Dave (laughs) Ramsey, not to give him too much time, but I do want to mention him because he's so extreme in the sense where he shames you for, you know, doing maybe buying $7 muffins or something like that. First off, can you share a little bit about, you know, your you know, relationship with him. I know it's not direct, but you know, you guys chat about him. And then secondly, how are you guys different? How do you guys want it to be different than what he does? Well, I think, you know, we started our like financial literacy journey through Dave Ramsey and we, you know, binged his podcast and took Financial Peace University, which is kind of his financial course. And we learned a lot. We learned great basics about financial literacy. But over time we did realize like, oh, some of the way that he, you know, talks is a bit um a bit harsh and a bit extreme. And we realized that anybody can maintain that for, you know, a year or so or a couple years. But we were trying to think more long term. Like realistically, the life that we want to enjoy, how do we mesh that with also being financially literate and mindful of it all? And so that's kind of where we've taken things. You know, early on in our podcast, people will see that we were really heavy into Dave Ramsey. And we share a lot of his principles in the first few episodes. And then we have an episode where we kind of talk about why we're done with um, supporting him. And after that episode, I would say we really do kind of start to tell people like, you're going to encounter shame around your money through so many different realms and lenses, whether it's social media or in the workplace, or just within your family situation, because maybe you and a partner are on the wrong page or whatever it may be, you're going to have that feeling of shame at some point. And it's important that you don't stay there. And for many people following that Ramsey plan, we stay there a little bit too long. I know that we did for for quite some time, feeling really guilty about what we had done. And we want to instead kind of empower people to recognize you got to make a decision at some point that maybe isn't the best decision. But much like I said earlier, what's important is when you know better to do better and to push yourself to constantly reflect. I think that was a really good explanation. I'd like to take over with like how we're we're different because I think that this has changed throughout time. Yeah. Um, 
initially we were like, oh, we're just not aligned with Dave Ramsey. Let's just kind of step away. But I think over the last few months, we've really realized like we paid off a lot of debt. And yes, that was very difficult. Paying off debt was was very excruciating. But I will die on the hill of staying out of debt for us, for me, is really hard. Staying yeah. out of debt for us is harder than it was to pay off the debt. And then I kind of realized this actually isn't a numbers game. This is a behavior game. So we really like to focus on like, why are you doing these things? Why are you spending at this level? What is this doing for you? How are you feeling when you're doing this? Instead of just like, okay, well, here's the math problem. Increase your income, decrease your expenses, use the extra to pay off debt, and then bam, it's done. But then what happens when it's done? Mm -hmm. If you didn't fix the reason why you got there in the first place, you'll pay off the debt go to sleep and wake up. And then five years later, you're like in the exact same position or maybe worse. And so that is what I think we really try to focus on is breaking that cycle, essentially, where people, they get out of debt and then they get back into debt and then they do it again over and over and over. And then they're like, well, this just isn't working. Mm -hmm. It actually isn't about the numbers. We have to fix all the other stuff first. And Dave Ramsey definitely doesn't do that. His is like numbers only and that's great to getting you started but we have to look really long term Mm -hmm. and um and this episode is sponsored by dave ramsey and uh, (laughs) 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 just kidding just kidding um yes i 1000 percent agree with you and um you know i i love that i think that that you guys hit the nail on the head like basically he's really good at getting you a foundation and getting you lit up about paying off debt. Mm-hmm. That is, you can't take that away from him. But I, I know when I met you guys, you you guys were amazing at paying off debt and you shared your story. But I know that you guys were transitioning into thinking about investments a little more. And I think that that is the part where Dave Ramsey like lets his whole popular, you know, his whole audience down is that like Haley said, you can spend five years aggressively paying off debt, get out of debt, and then in five more years, you're back in debt. And then what do you have to do? You have to get, you know, get out of debt again. So the years go by and you are not taking advantage of investments on the side. Um, so that's one shift that I think I'm noticing in the finance in the personal finance space is that you can get out of debt while investing. You don't have to do one or the other mutually exclusive, you know, options there. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about how you guys get out of debt. First off, how do you guys get out of debt? So, and then we'll move to the investing part, but how do you guys get out of debt so fast? Like so well, like what kind of mentality do you have? But also like now I know you're, you're a little bit more balanced. So how do you keep like the living your best life alive? You know, you want to tackle the debt, but you don't want to be a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, initially getting out of debt for us was selling everything we owned, including our souls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we, we liquidated our assets to kind of sum up how we did it. I don't necessarily think that that's the perfect route for everybody. For us, we were so tunnel visioned on the fact that we wanted to be out of debt more than anything else. Therefore, we were okay selling two paid off cars and selling a lot of things in our house. And we even cashed out. This is, I think, one of the things that I would definitely redo if I could just go back and redo yeah. one thing. We cashed out the Roth IRA contributions for Justin's Roth IRA. It wasn't some insane amount of money, but 
that money could be worth so much more now had we just left it there. So we liquidated a bunch of stuff to pay off our debt. And that was the extreme that we were at. So I think like now when I'm coaching people for how to pay off debt and keep that balance so it is something that can be sustainable, I take the approach of, well, what do you want to do? Are you on team? I hate my student loan so much. I can't sleep at night. It's all I think about. Screw Sally Mae. Then let's get rid of that. Because if it's hindering your life, like get rid of it. But if you're like neutral to debt and you have other goals, then I truly believe you can do all those things at the same time. It just won't go as fast as we did. We, we paid off so much debt so aggressively and that was awesome. But it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to pay off six figures in a year and a half to be successful. It's just as awesome if you pay off $600 in six months. And for us, we were not investing during that time. So the the Roth contribution that I pulled was contributions that I put in when I got the um, wrongful death lawsuit payout. So it was only um, after a couple years, you know, of like actively doing it. I think you know the contributions I pulled was like close to sixteen thousand, maybe. So it wasn't like we were still actively contributing to investing when we were paying off debt, and we paid off that debt really, really fast. But much like you were just saying, you know, imagine if somebody takes five years to pay off that debt and they're not investing. That is a huge hindrance to their future. And you don't have to invest a ton. You don't have to, you know, be putting five hundred dollars a month into your Roth IRA. That that's, you know, difficult for many right now in the, you know, financial climate. But if you're able to do a little bit, that's still setting yourself up for the future. And that's really where our mindset has shifted. Much like you said, we can sell everything and hustle like crazy because we've been working since we were 14 and we know how to like grind when we have to grind. And that's what we did to pay off the debt. But for many others, like Haley said, you know, through her coaching, talking to people and finding out what they truly want and where they're truly at, like you can still have all of those things and be paying off your debt in a mindful way and be budgeting and spending in a mindful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned there, like budgeting is what comes out to me is like so key. And um, like you, you mentioned tracking first, then budgeting second. Like th- those are some, I think, foundational pieces because if you budget, for example, like a Starbucks coffee or something like that, and you do that and you spend that money on the Starbucks coffee, you won't feel guilt afterwards mm-hmm. because yes. you already budgeted for it. But I, I do remember a time in my life where I had no budget. I don't really budget now, but I kind of do like a reverse budget, like forced scarcity type of thing. I just move everything and leave $200 in my checking account. That's all I got to live on. But <laughs> I know I can do whatever I want with that money. Yeah. So, it's the same thing in, in the other way with budgeting. You know, you, you put aside $100, $200 and you can do whatever you want with that money and you don't have to feel guilt. And I think that that's one thing that we really need to trying to get the message out. You know, I think we should try to make that guilt go away as much as possible because it's been implemented by Dave Ramsey and and others, you know? That's a great way to put it. Like even something as small as a $5 Starbucks coffee, like if that brings you joy and that brings you happiness and you put it in your budget, you deserve to enjoy it. You've done the right steps of saying, this is something I value. I'm going to put the money into this, you know, expense category, whatever, so that I can enjoy it. It doesn't have to be you know, oh, well, geez, I stopped at Starbucks and I feel so terrible that I got this coffee. Like you, you're allowed to enjoy those things. And that $5 isn't going to make or break your budget. It's the consistent $5 here and $5 there and $5 here and $5 there over a long period of time that will start to derail you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, well, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, and I also want to mention like 
it's amazing to see your guys' story from the beginning to now. You guys are Thank you. You know, it's like I've been following your your journey. It's it's really nice. And uh you guys are really doing like some good things now. You're you're in a pretty good financial position, like making power moves. So I, I just wanna like congratulate you on that real quick. Thank you. I know you got, you know, like some money set aside and you could pay off your loans, but you haven't. And like I just feel like that's a boss move. Like you you have so many options that you're just like uh, I'll pay it if I have to, but maybe I'll wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where years ago, you know, it might have been different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the biggest switch to kind of piggyback off of what you just said, Chris, is now we are in control of our money. Mm-hmm. It is no longer controlling us. And that has been the most empowering, liberating feeling in the world. We get to do whatever we want to an extent, obviously, but like... <laughs> I got my eyelashes done and I got my nails done and I feel so happy about being able to be bougie and not feel bad about it. When before it was, it was so much guilt over every single thing we purchased, anything that was like not on team pay off all the debt. And now, you know, it doesn't have to be like that forever. And you also don't have to sacrifice all of everything fun in order to make progress, whether you are trying to pay off debt or seeking financial independence and trying to retire at 40 years old. Whatever the goal is, it doesn't have to be so extreme that you have no fun in the middle. And I think that that is the common misconception in the personal finance world that everyone seeking FI, they just have such boring lives because they don't do anything fun. They just hoard all their money and they're seeking retirement. Well, we could also go that extreme with the debt payoff journey. It It doesn't have to be that way. I think you can really have it all holistically you just have to find a way to balance it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I want to switch gears a little bit into talking about you guys' investments and, and kind of the future. So, you know, switching from payoff, paying debt off to um, what type of investments are you looking at or have done or and how, how have you grown into that, you know, in that field? So we both currently have our Roth account set up, which has been great. We met um, uh, a friend through kind of starting the podcast and whatnot, who's become a really strong financial advisor for us because he also deals with student loans and public service loan forgiveness. And so because I'm a teacher, he's set up a plan for me to essentially qualify for public service loan forgiveness. So we've started our Roth accounts working with him. We've also essentially started traditional and done kind of backdoor Roths because of the way that we'll be filing for tax status. And then um, because we are waiting on kind of student loans to see what happens and because I'm eligible for public service loan forgiveness through teaching, we also did recently, well, I shouldn't say recently, last November, purchased our first investment property. So we purchased real estate in Warren, Michigan, which is kind of like a ring city outside of Detroit. And there have been a ton of setbacks. Um, (laughs) So we are currently still waiting to get tenants in there. It was essentially kind of like a renovated flip and they did the plumbing all kind of backwards. And the city asked us to redo the plumbing, which we had to do for the entire house at a $9,000 bill. So that was pretty (laughs) unfortunate. Um, But nonetheless, yeah, we've started our kind of foray into real estate investing and who knows how big that'll be. That's kind of just like another side piece that as we've become more financially literate, we wanted to tap into and explore. Um, but that's kind of where our investing is right there. And of course, Haley invests in self-care with eyelashes and <laughs> manicures. But uh, that's that's it, I think. Did I miss anything? Well, and you also invest in your oh, true. teacher's pension. Very true. Which 
you don't have any choice in California to opt out of that, which is That's probably a good, a good thing. Yeah. But he has his pension. And right now we're just focusing on maxing out our Roth IRAs or the traditionals, whatever one we choose every year from now forward. And then I'm sure as my business grows, we'll get more aggressive with investing at some level. But it's interesting because we're so at the beginning level. Yeah, we're still so new at this. Yeah. I mean, I'm over here like, what the brokerage? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) eventually we'll get there. And it's so fun to be learning and learning with people. Yeah. And then we learn in real time and get to teach others. Like we're so new in the real estate investment space. We still don't even know what we're doing. (laughs) We have Roth IRAs and that's about the extent of it. We'll learn eventually. Yeah. And uh, I I think like everything, uh, investing is unique, right? To everybody. And it just comes natural to some, like I have not gotten into real estate investing. I got my, yeah, I, I didn't, Purchase my primary residence, which is not an investment. Um, I was told <laughs> so many times on, on the internet, but it feels like an investment, you know, I, I yeah. have to yeah. cater for it. But regardless, I did want to get like an investment property and I just haven't been able to dip my sh- my, my uh, toes in, in real estate. But uh, as far as the stock market, it does feel natural for me. It's very passive. So that's kind of where I'm at. So yeah, big Big props to you to uh, for getting into real estate and, and long distance real estate at that. Yeah, I'm a big learner, so I really liked like kind of reading about it and exploring it on like a very minimal level. You know, we're not the type of people who are like, oh, we want you know ten doors by 2023. We're kind of like, hey, if if we you know retire with three to four rental properties, like that'd be more than enough for us. Because I am very much so more excited looking at like long term you know, stock market investing and looking at like, hey, you know, we put this money in and we don't care about it for 30 years. And it's there when our dollar matters most. And then it's just going to grow and grow and grow. And that like, you know, passive investing is much more enticing for both of us. So as Haley's like built her business and like looking into what our other options are, that's become way more enticing because we both, you know, still do have a lot of the emotional attachments with money as we're kind of unlearning some of those, um, you know, financial behaviors that we used to have. So the idea of like set it and forget it is really good for both of us because it doesn't feel like a gamble. It doesn't feel like it plays with our emotions, you know, with some of the gamified, you know, um, I can't even think of the, what's that app called? Robin Hood. Yeah. You know, like some of the other investing, investing things in crypto that people do, like it, it's emotionally draining and, mm-hmm. you know, just putting money into a really good mutual fund is not emotionally draining. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm excited about as we become more literate. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And if you guys have some time, a little bit of extra time, it's up to you. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about like high cost of living areas. You guys mentioned you were in Cali and um, Haley, you mentioned inflation. You, you're, you're big on inflation on the socials. And um, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about that because I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, you know, I live in New York. I live in Cali. I, you know, this isn't realistic for me. Mm-hmm. So I do want to, you know, see what your thoughts are on how you've been able to manage in a high cost of living area. And are there benefits? Is it only, you know, cons to that? And, and just jump into a little bit about that and how you combat those high living costs. I think one of kind of the main things to be mindful of is, you know, we're, I like to think pretty decent with our budget and money. And we're constantly having to reflect month to month, like, hey, you know, we went over in this area and that's not typically what we do. Like, 
even if it's just a couple bucks, like what happened there? Hey, we're under here, but how did we get over here? And we realized that a lot of it was coming from inflation. We had to raise some of our budget, you know, line items. And again, we're pretty good with our budget. So I think that people, first and foremost, like if you're living in any area, <laughs> you, you've got to know what you're spending. And, and if you can hold yourself to a budget, like that's great. And I think that's kind of why we started in the last few months to talk about inflation a little bit more because it is hitting us more than I think we would like. And so, um, well, I say you're hitting us more than we'd like, but nonetheless, like we're feeling it. I don't know. Do you have any advice? Like when you talk with clients that are in different areas that are high cost of living other than California? I mean, California is definitely the worst (laughs) in regards to high cost of living and the wages are just not necessarily increasing like they should be. And that's that's across the board. That's not just for the people who are in education, but you know, for us, the gas has been really hard because that mm-hmm. got like, I joked, I'm so sorry. Like, I think I manifested this and I'm really sorry, but I joked about $5 gas all of 2021. And then all of a sudden it was $5. And then all of a sudden it was $6. And then I was like, no way. I think we're going to have $7 <laughs> gas. And it was like $6 and 60 cents or something. And I just felt so bad. So the, I know it wasn't really me, but the inflation is, is hard and living in the high cost of living area is hard. And there's a big common misconception that just because you live in a higher cost of living area that you make more money, but that's not necessarily the truth. So, I mean, across the board, <laughs> it kind of goes back to budgeting and tracking. Like, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars a month on gas for my car. That, that feels outrageous, but it unfortunately is the reality of our situation right now. So then because of the inflation and because of that, plus living in a high cost of living area, we just have to be really mindful and cut in other areas. Mm -hmm. We don't dine out very often. We spend less than $200 a month dining out. And that's like, that's a heavy dining out month. And because of that, we have to spend $1,000 on gas. So I don't know if that really answered the question, but well, yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing to be mindful of too, if you live in a high cost of living area is typically those areas are maybe more suburban or maybe, you know, like the urban centers. So I would say just as like a practical tip for the listeners, try and find things you can do centered around that in your city to maybe save yourself a couple bucks with, you know, enjoyment and entertainment. Like you don't have to, you know, live in one of those areas and then spend you know, some huge entertainment budget. Maybe it's, I live in one of those areas and I really enjoy some of the public amenities, like going to the park or, you know, uh, I have a friend who lives in Oregon and they like can paddleboard down the river and kind of like hang out in the river and listen to concerts from, you know, the stadium and stuff. So maybe it's one of those things that you can kind of tap into to enjoy the area a little bit more without like stretching your wallet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And, um, you know, like, Flex your frugal muscles a little bit, like Mr. Yeah. Money Mustache would say, you know, just start flexing them a little bit and start making, having fun without, you know, spending a lot of money. And uh, exactly, electric electric car doesn't sound too bad at this time either, you know? Oh, no, it does not. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't sound, I mean, to be honest, a car payment doesn't sound too bad for an electric car when you get a tax rebate and it would mean you'd no longer spend a thousand dollars on gas. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm also seeing a lot of people make that... Uh, you know, finance a Tesla so that you don't have to spend a thousand dollars a month on gas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's crazy. It is crazy where we're going, but um, we have to adjust and we have to make it. Yeah. Um. Oh, so 
I am going to drop the link to Haley's uh, email if you want to mention anything about the reason why she made the gas go up so much. Um, you know, any hate mail can go right there. I'm yes. so sorry. <laughs> um, but no, on a, on a more serious note, the um, financial coaching business, I want to give you some time to just let people know like, when is it available, the more details about it and like what you're offering. And, you know, I, I will link all that in the show notes below. I, you know, I really wanted you guys on for that reason and also for you guys to share your story. So, yeah, I, I'll let you um, take it from here for a little bit and just tell us Thank about that. Thank you so much. So, my financial coaching business is actually currently open for registration. So, the timing of this is spot on. I'm going to be closing registration in early August, um, but it's not closed forever. So it will open up in, again in the future, even when I'm full, I'll, I'll open it up as people graduate. But I primarily help people on their journey towards whatever their financial freedom is. So if that's paying off debt, if it's saving aggressively for a house, whatever that thing is that you want to do, I help people get there. And the common misconception about me being like an advisor, I'm not an advisor. I don't advise people. I don't manage wealth or retirement. I really help people with the behavior and mindset aspect of money and your relationship with money. So then you can go achieve all of the goals and stuff that that you want. Primarily, I help people pay off debt just because that's kind of what we did. I, I love helping people get on a budget and pay off debt because that's exactly what we did. And I see I see us in them and then I see the hope because I'm like, oh, we're on the other side. You guys can do this. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's my financial coaching. And it's so much fun. And I work with clients from all across the nation. So far, only the United States. No one awesome. in Australia yet with crazy time zones. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, all right. So thank you for sharing that. And um, lastly, I would like to give you some time to let everybody know where we can find more of you guys for both of you guys, you know, not just Haley. Um, Where can we find uh, more of uh, Justin and Haley? Well, we've got our podcast, Price of Avocado Toast. So we are currently on hiatus until August. We just wrapped up season two, but people can certainly go ahead and binge. I think you're like episode 30. I think it was 33 maybe. So if they're yeah. like wanting to just dive in right into the good stuff. <laughs> and I think you came on too, like right as we started to like hit our stride and understand what the hell we were doing. <laughs> That's probably pretty good. They don't have to listen to the early episodes. Um, you can also find us on Instagram where Haley is, you know, super interactive. We've got, if you want to like us on Facebook, you can like us on Facebook. I sometimes mess around on the Twitter, but Haley's slowly taking that over too. So yeah, you can find us Twitter's at Price Avocado. Instagram is at price of avocado toast yep bang awesome awesome job you guys have done this before it seems i actually haven't this is my first interview other, <laughs> other than mike and maggie from friends on fire way back in the day so yeah. this is interesting haley has been on a bunch so i usually just get to kind of like listen in the next day and be like oh cool <laughs> answer good answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were eating lunch today and i said i think this is the first interview that we have done together in a very long time yeah. and then we thought about it and we were fortunate to be on the Friends on Fire podcast with Mike and Maggie, but that was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty awesome. I was a guest on their show as well. I had them on my show. So it, it's it's pretty like a close-knit type of uh, space, yeah. actually. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool. We And again, you know, we've learned so much from people and gained so much insight and really been accepted in, which is super cool because we are kind of, I think, jonesing for that community of people who we're like going to support us. And that's what pushed us into a podcast and then mm-hmm. pushed us into the personal finance community. So it's been nice. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can't wait for season three to come out and um, yeah, I'll link everything up in the show notes below, but thank you guys again for sharing your story and coming on and, and being so transparent once again. Awesome. Thanks for having us, Chris. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thank you so much for sticking to the end. And as promised, I am going to share how you can get a free month of coaching by Haley. All you have to do is send me a DM on Instagram at inspire.to.fire. Again, that's at inspire.to.fire. You can follow me and send me a DM. Do that by Monday, August 1st, and you will be entered into the contest to win one free month of coaching from Haley. And shortly after that, we will find out the winner and uh, I'll go ahead and send that over to Haley and they will contact you for your free month of coaching with her. So I'm super excited and, and hopefully you guys take advantage of this because this is pretty awesome. She's going to be able to help you get out of uh, debt, whatever credit card, student loan, uh, mortgage debt, whatever it is, she'll help you put that all together as well as get your financial house in order and set up the budget or track your expenses however you want it. So I hope you guys take advantage of it. Again, just DM me at inspire to fire or inspire fire on Instagram by Monday and you'll be entered into this raffle. Um, just let me know that you're interested in the free coaching business and you will be entered. So I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited and thank you guys again for listening to the end. That's what that's what happens when you listen to the end. So this wraps up season two of the Inspire to Fire podcast. We will be back with season three. I got some podcasts lined up. However, it's going to be a few months at least. And, um, you know, I want to thank you guys for listening to all these episodes with and, and um, you know, really taking in the information. And I've gotten a lot of nice emails and DMs saying, you know, that they've listened and they've enjoyed it and it's made a difference in their life. So thank you guys. You know, I think I'm going to hit like 12,000 podcast downloads in this month alone. So that's all because of you guys. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, so if you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that. You'll get notified as soon as season three comes comes out. And until then, I hope you guys continue on the financial independence journey. And, um, you know, you guys can listen to the episodes from season one, re-listen to season two, reach out to me with any questions, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out free resources at my website, which is inspiredafire.com. But yeah, reach out to me. I would love it. And just because I'm not recording doesn't mean I'm not around. So um, it's pretty cool to meet people and, and see, hear their story and, and see how, um, you know, we can help each other. So anyways, with that, again, subscribe, share with a friend. And thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.